coming up, what happened in Johnson County after a full week without a mask mandate? I feel comfortable with letting those that come into the shop make that decision for themselves. No let up in crime. Now the mayor taking on state lawmakers over guns. We have all the week's big comings and goings straight ahead on Week in Review. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Horley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome everyone, I'm Nick Haynes and thank you for joining us on our 30-minute journey through the most impactful local news stories of our week. Rolling up their sleeves to lift up the hood on those headlines, Pilar Pedraza is with us. She is Statehouse reporter for Cake TV in Wichita and the host of Kansas Week, aired on public television stations across the Sunflower State. Pete Mundo spends four hours dissecting the news every weekday morning on KCMO Talk Radio. You find Dave Helling in the pages of your Kansas City Star and tracking news important to Kansas City's African-American community, the editor of the Cole newspaper, Eric Wesson. I want to start this week on the Kansas side of state line. Last week I asked if you were no longer required to wear a mask, would you still wear one? It's not a hypothetical question any longer. We're just wrapping up the first full week since Johnson County dropped its mask mandate. For me, it means that my customers can make the decision whether they want to wear a mask or not. And those liberties should never be taken away from us of being able to make that choice. That, by the way, is Doug Flick being caught on camera by KCTV5. He's the owner of the Park Street Cafe in Olathe. But Pete Mando, so what happened? Did people don their masks or did they ditch them now that they had the choice? Well, no, Nick, much uh, did not appear to change in Johnson County because it still was a strong recommendation from the Johnson County Commission to have a mask policy. So especially most of your bigger box stores, they kept one in place, so nothing really changed there. The small business owner, yes, he or she can make that decision, but looks like not a lot is different, and it's a great way for the Johnson County commissioners to tell their constituents, well, we technically don't have a mask mandate, just a strong recommendation. I was certainly in Lowe's and I was certainly in Jimmy John's this week and, and there were very, very few people wearing masks in those, those locations and nobody was saying anything. Was there any confrontations with police that we know of in any way, shape or form, Dave, with arguments between staff and customers? I, I think there are still anecdotal reports of some disagreements, Nick, between store owners or restaurants or other places when people show up without masks. But by and large, I think uh, Pete is exactly right. Very little has changed. Most people in Johnson County, where I live, have come to adjust to the idea of masks in most public places. And breaking that habit is going to take weeks, if not months. I always had the expectation, Eric, now that Johnson County has moved forward with dropping its mask mandate, that that would put pressure on other places, including Kansas City, Missouri, to drop its mask mandate. Any evidence that that was going to happen? None so far. The mayor is not in favor of doing that yet. I think they relaxed it as much as they're going to relax it. For right now, they're still pushing the vaccines and people getting the vaccines. So uh, I think it'll stay like it is. And I don't see Frank White as a Jackson County executive changing the ruling yet either. And we have this impression, of course, as we focus just on the cities right here, the most populated parts of our metropolitan area, that, you know, we have these mask mandates. But pretty much once we leave the confines of our metro, 
Most people are not wearing them anyway. Pilar Pedraza at the State House, you know, in Kansas, there's only two counties currently that have mask mandates. That's Wyandotte County and Douglas County, home of the city of Lawrence. So if I came to Topeka or to your home city of Wichita, would most people not be wearing masks? Well, it depends on where you go, uh, because just like with the, in Johnson County, most of your businesses and stores still have masks required signs on the door. That being said, I would say that at least 25% or so, rough guesstimate of folks inside even those businesses are also going unmasked now. It's definitely more relaxed here at the uh, State House. Folks are back on the House floor normally, which means they're sitting cheek by jowl. And most of them are completely unmasked in there, not just when they're going up to the podium to speak. I'm halfway expecting uh, Laura Kelly, the governor, to be walking by you grabbing a sandwich, Pilar. We may see that during the course of this broadcast. But it's interesting in Kansas also, that, that was one of the first states to, uh, among the legislature to say, you know, not only uh, push back against masks, but also uh, to block private businesses from having these proof of vaccine requirements, that you can't tell employees and you can't tell your customers that you have to have proof of vaccines. Whatever happened to that? Did that just end or just got killed? It is still under discussion, and until they uh, gavel out and adjourn the end of this session, probably into this week, early next week, it is still up for grabs. Uh, the way veto session works, anything can happen, and it happens like that. Now, we're going to be tracking all the comings and goings in our metro this week. Let's start with the goings. Our area's best-known public health leader is hanging up his stethoscope after a tumultuous pandemic year. Dr. Rex Archer departing after more than 20 years as Kansas City's public health director. The health department is here and has your back. And just because I may be leaving doesn't mean we're not still there. Dave Helling, was it his own decision to retire now, or is he feeling pressure from the mayor to call it a day? No, I, everything we understand, Nick, suggests that Rex Archer is leaving of his own accord. It's been an extraordinarily busy year, as we all know, very difficult. It's a tough job, subject to a lot of criticism. He's at retirement age. Uh, so, so there's no suggestion that, that uh, the mayor, at least that I've heard that the mayor or anyone else was anxious to see Rex Archer go. And finding a replacement is going to be an interesting and difficult challenge. Pete Mundor, he wasn't without his controversies. I did find a tweet from him from last summer in, in which he said President Trump should get a life sentence for causing more than 90% of America's COVID deaths. There was a lot of pushback after that was um, was published. That was almost a year ago, but he still kept his job. Yeah, I don't think, um, and I think this may be true for the profession, but when you were uh, a non-elected uh, bureaucrat trying to lead a city in a time of crisis, and the overtly uh, partisan takes that he seemed to take at times bothered a lot of people. When it came to him trying to rally a city around what he wanted to see happen, he, he hurt himself in that category, and he did himself no favors. Eric Wesson, what will be his record? I think some of the things that he did in supporting uh, mental health and connecting it to violent crime, I think that's one of the things that the health department did. Pilar, you know, it's interesting, these public officials, these public health leaders, were pretty much low-key uh, officials. We wouldn't have known much about them, but during this pandemic year, they've become a huge deal. But they are... Some people see them in these political roles. And, and I've heard it said, just like we hire now our sheriffs and, um, and our district attorneys, their elected positions, are we coming to a point that we would expect our public health leaders uh, to also be elected to office? 
Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I know there's been a lot of talk about making the uh, public health director a member of county commissions in many counties, uh, and which would automatically be kind of an elected position. I know in Kansas, we have had a lot of public health directors, dozens of them, announcing their retirements, leaving the business. We've talked specifically with several uh, in the course of my job who have said they've been getting death threats. Uh, as well as other horrible emails. I've seen some of these emails, and they're just nasty. So it's been a, become, a, as you said, an extremely political position. It used to be a bureaucratic one. As Rex Archer departs on the other side of state line, Chris Kobach is making a comeback. Remember him? If you live in Kansas, he now wants to be your attorney general. I'm doing this because so many Kansans have asked me to consider running for this office at this time in history. He lost the Republican nomination for United States Senate last year in the race for governor in 2018. Why does Chris Kobach believe he has a better shot at becoming the next attorney general of Kansas, Pete Mundo? Because he won't be on the top of the ticket. Uh, that's what hurt him in 2018. And obviously the campaign hurt him as well, frankly. Uh, he's admitted as much. I think he's kind of hoping that this race doesn't get a, a ton of attention, although anything with Chris does get more attention and that he'll be able to kind of uh, ride the governor's race coattails into the attorney general's office. And depending on what the primary shapes up to look like, that may work for him. And this is opening up Pilar Pedraza because Derek Schmidt, the attorney general himself, is, is running for governor. Uh, but are there any Democrats who have expressed any interest in this seat? Uh, I have heard rumblings of a couple, but nobody uh, official yet. So I don't want to give the names that I've heard because that's just rumor at this point. <laughs> uh, but uh, there is a belief among a lot of Democrats I've spoken with that maybe they do have a chance to take that this time if Kobach goes through. But he has won before, and he won Secretary of State, a statewide position, twice. Right, and I'm sure Pete is right that he hopes that his uh, the R by his name, if he's the nominee, will be enough. What's equally interesting is whether Republicans generally are worried about Kobach on the ballot in 2022 when they want the governor's uh, race so badly and whether he might be a drag on whoever the Republican nominee is against Laura Kelly. So there's a lot of three-dimensional chess underway. Uh, I don't think we'll ever be completely rid of Chris Kobach, not anytime soon. He has a very dedicated following that when they don't go anywhere, it's about 25% of the Kansas electorate that's going to vote for Kobach no matter what. They're very dedicated followers. And when you're looking at a midterm election, a midterm race, they're ones who are going to really kind of start pushing the narrative and carrying those races. We tend to see the midterm races go that direction. I agree with Pilar. He's got 25, 30%. In a one-on-one, -on -one, though, it's not a race that's sexy to draw a lot of people in. If he's in a one-on-one, -on -one, he's behind the eight ball. Funeral services were this week for two brothers gunned down after leaving Ramadan services at their mosque in northeast Kansas City. That's on top of at least three more murders in just 10 hours this week. Now Mayor Quinton Lucas is pleading with state lawmakers to remove a law that blocks local cities from enacting their own gun policies. While lawmakers have been debating a range of bills that address violence, including a measure that would allow for lifetime restraining orders for domestic abuse victims in Missouri, there have been no laws in either state aimed at guns. In fact, Pilar, I see this week that the uh, legislature overturned Governor Kerry now allowing uh, people as young as 18 years old now to carry concealed weapons. What was the problem that lawmakers were trying to solve by doing that? Well, there are a couple of issues involved. One, Kansas already had open carry for folks as young as 18. 
So if somebody can go in and get a gun and carry it without training, why should they be banned from taking the training and getting the permit to say they've been trained? was one of the big arguments. The other one is the reciprocity between states. Most states recognize other states' concealed carry permits. Well, other states, their permits go as low as 18. So if Kansas doesn't recognize 18 to 21-year-olds, even though they're permitted in other states, that's something of an issue. And there's a big issue, of course, for um, uh, Mayor Lucas, Eric Wesson, on the Missouri side. But what does he actually want to do? So if lawmakers say, OK, um, cities can um, look at their own gun laws. What, what would he actually want to do? I'd probably start out with eliminating the concealed carry. Uh, a lot of times, and a lot of police officers that I've talked to are like, you know, you can't do anything to these young guys that are having these guns. So uh, that would probably be one of the first things he'd want to do away with. And I remember years ago when they passed it, Alvin Brooks was adamant about it's, it was going to be a problem, and that problem is what we see today. If police pull them over, they got a gun in the car, there's nothing they can do about it. So I think conceal and carry would be one of the top things he'd want to change. That's what Mayor Lucas wants, Pete Mundo. What are lawmakers going to say back to Quinton Lucas <laughs> and including Governor Mike Parson? They're not going to say anything, but I, I, Eric's right in terms of, you know, hearing from people, in the, even in the police department, who agree, and these are people who probably may politically uh, not be on the same page as as much of city leadership but even they would admit where they're pulling these these kids oftentimes over there's a gun in the car and there's just nothing that they can do about it and um you know it's a tough spot for them but down in jeff city it's they're not going to change it because it's not a problem in in the majority of, of their communities they don't see that obviously in more rural parts of the state uh they don't have those problems so it's unlikely that they are going to uh acquiesce to what kansas city and, and st louis may want another thing he probably wanted to change too is the gun shows and the process in which people have to get clear cleared for the gun shows so you have a lot of gun shows in Kansas City and the surrounding areas. A lot of times, you know, they might be selling guns out of the trunk of their car in the parking lot rather than going through the normal process. And that's what the Biden administration is trying to do, too. But I do see there is a bill in Missouri that would block uh, any uh, federal new gun laws from the Biden administration. Yeah, that, that's called unconstitutional on its face. <laughs> so the idea that you could nullify federal laws, that was uh, that question was asked and answered many, many decades ago. <laughs> okay, so local law enforcement won't be able to just say we're not following those rules, which is what the uh, Missouri well, legislature wants. No, no, the okay. Missouri legislature wants to force people to ignore federal laws. You can't do it. Well, last week, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly made fast work of vetoing pretty much every major measure lawmakers sent to her desk. This week, your local representatives and senators got a chance to respond, overturning almost everything Kelly had objected to, with one big exception. Who says one vote doesn't matter? Lawmakers this week came just one vote short of overturning the governor and enacting a ban on transgender athletes competing in girls' sports. When those same lawmakers had absolutely no problem overturning the governor on tax cuts, selection rule changes, easing gun rules. What was so different about this issue, Pilar? As we look at that issue, it comes down to what David Haley, he was that swing vote and what he and said. And he's from our area, from Wyoming County. <laughs> is, is that uh, 
it was a case where both sides had, he said, had well-reasoned arguments. He understood the concerns of those pushing for this bill, but he also understood the concerns of the transgender community, bullying, et cetera, and the fact that this bill only really would have affected about five students across the entire state of Kansas. But I did see that David Haley, who was the Wyandotte County Democrat, Pete Mundo, though his, uh, his case came down to, he said, the economics of this and the threats of boycotts from sports organizations rather than weighing in on the fairness issue. Well, yeah, and, and you can talk about um, Haley, but you can go out to western Kansas where, in terms of one vote, John Dahl, a Republican out of Garden City, also uh, went against this, and that was certainly a big surprise. You go out to Garden City in that district in Kansas, it's probably a four to five to one issue the other way that he voted. So that's that's a bit of a surprise that a lawmaker in southwest Kansas decided to uh, not go along with overriding this veto. And that's something that you got to look at and say, okay, is that guy representing his constituents? I understand the idea that it's only five or six kids, but most people would talk about it being a, a, uh, a moral issue as much as anything else and simply what is right and what is fair in terms of being pro-women's sports, not being anti-transgender sports. What about the rest of these laws? How will our lives now change? Let's start with the tax bill that will now become law. Is that just tax cuts that help big business or will the rest of us see a break too, Pilar? That's a case of it depends on who you ask. It looks like, though, it will mostly affect those who already have a lot of money in the bank. It won't really affect most of us who uh, work work paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> in other words, reporters at the local level, not the network folks. Yes. All right. Exactly. <laughs> what about the election law changes? At one point, arguments were being made that we may face boycotts, just like Georgia, if Kansas were to make these changes. But aren't these much more modest in size? Who wins and who loses as a result of these election law changes? It is a signal to people that the Republican Party particularly wants to make sure uh, that it is more difficult to vote next time than it was last time in the middle of COVID. And I think that's what was involved here. And let's make no mistake, this was a bad, bad week for Laura Kelly. She was overridden time after time again. Uh, it wasn't particularly uh, difficult for those overrides. They happened, you know, on an hourly basis. Uh, she just had a real tough week down in Topeka. I'm still half expecting her to show up behind Pilar and offer her case uh, to let us know what she, how she was feeling about it. First, it was putting the homeless up at Bartle Hall. Then it was putting them in hotels. Now, Kansas City has a new solution, creating a tiny homes village for them. The plan is to build up to 150 cabins using federal stimulus money. But there's no word yet on where the village will be located or how long residents will be able to live in the 64-foot square units. They're paying for this with the American Rescue Act stimulus money. What happens when that money runs out, Eric Wesson? I guess when the money runs out, we'll be right back at square one. Uh, one of the interesting things about it is those houses aren't very expensive, but the infrastructure to hook plumbing up to them might be a little expensive. So I guess we're, we're just going to go a play by ear. Well, they're spending like $2 million to have them in a hotel now. It's just a lot of money. And I know homeless people from all over the country will be saying, let's go to Kansas City. This is not just a Kansas City problem, of course. And I know even Wichita was also uh, putting homeless into hotels, too. Did that fix the problem there? 
I wouldn't say it fixed the problem. It certainly helped. There's always going to be a certain portion of the populace, usually because of mental health issues, et cetera, that are going to be out there. As I see you there at the State House, I am reminded, Dave Helling, of the fact that we do have another state, of course, and, and we don't have a Jefferson City correspondent with us. But that whole Medicaid expansion issue and funding, it still is that big issue in Missouri. But I was interested in something that did happen this week, and that was Governor Mike Parson says, regardless now at this point, if the legislature finds the money or not, it is going to end up in court. If that turns out to be the case, my guess is there will be a special session in Missouri this fall to take a look at ways to do that. You know, there is a definite clash between what's in the state constitution, not a statute, it's in the constitution that people up to 133% of the poverty level should qualify for Medicaid in the state of Missouri. And uh, the, on July 1, the state is going to have to do it. That's the pushback. If you want to do it, all right, we got to find the money. Is it coming from education? Where is it coming from? Especially considering they haven't uh, figured out, as far as I can tell, any new major revenue sources. Not that sports betting would have been a, a major revenue source for something like this, but it would have been an easy bipartisan thing to do to uh, raise some money for both states. You know, that, 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 that sounds so easy, but Pilar in Kansas, which also hasn't passed any Medicaid expansion whatsoever, one of the few states that haven't, uh, but there was a plan by Governor Laura Kelly to actually fund that with medical marijuana. But yet there also seemed to be something we never heard anything more about. What happened to that? Did that, did that get killed off by the legislature too? Uh, pretty much. It was uh, dead on arrival. Okay. Uh, no, no amount of medical uh, intervention was going to help it <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, is that in the last election, uh, the Kansas legislature swung further to the right and they are adamantly opposed to Medicaid expansion. They have the votes to prevent it from even coming up for debate. Just quickly, Nick, this is not about money. The federal government is writing checks faster than the ink can dry to pay the costs not only of their share, but the state share. This is about a fundamental belief among some Republicans who have super majorities in both states that Medicaid should not be made available to what they call the working poor. It's a fundamental political issue. It isn't about money. Before we end our time together this week, a quiz question for you to test your knowledge about all things Kansas City. Can you tell me where you might see this statue in Kansas City? And who is this? Any idea? Give up? Alrighty, for the answer, we turn to the newest member of our congressional delegation, new Kansas Senator Roger Marshall. That's the statues behind me commemorating Ewing Kaufman and his wife, Marion. Just great fixtures in this community that really put uh, the Kansas City Royals on the map. Senator Marshall has since pulled down this video of his stop at the Winston Churchill statue on the Country Club Plaza. Doesn't everybody make mistakes, Eric Wesson, or is this going to hurt him for a while? That was a blunder right there. That wasn't just a mistake. If I was him, I would have took that down, too. Well, he did take it down, but is this just a, a, a minor blip, Pete, or a, pro a problem for him going forward? I mean, it's it's funny. It's it's one of those reels that, you know, uh, his dissenters will be watching for a long time. But it I mean, it means absolutely nothing. No, Nick, we will fight them on the beaches. We will fight them in the bullpen. We will fight them wherever we need to go. I would also thought that the British flag, which you didn't see in the picture, which flies above the statue, would have also been of help to him in understanding who it was. Mm. Pilar. It, this is hilarious for those who follow politics, of course. It's definitely a blunder, but uh, 
as with many other things, he's the Republican incumbent in Kansas. He's not going to have any problems with re-election. This is not going to hurt him at all in Kansas. All right. Thank you for that perspective. You know, when we put a program like this together every week, we can't get to every big local story making the headlines. What was the big story we missed? The man responsible for the Jewish Community Center shootings in Overland Park has died. F. Glenn Miller was 80 years old. He was being held at the El Dorado State Prison just outside of Wichita. It's believed he died of natural causes. Kansas City's largest private employer now looking for a new leader. Cerner announcing the departure of CEO Brent Schaefer after just three years in the top slot. If you're interested in applying, it pays well. His total compensation package in 2019 was more than $12 million. Amid the controversy over sporting mascots, Shawnee Mission North officially getting a new name. Gone are the Indians, they're now the Bison. The pandemic has claimed another victim, the musical Hamilton no longer coming to Kansas City this fall. The music hall announcing it's being pushed off till next year. Lots to celebrate this week from Cinco de Mayo to our teachers as we mark National Teacher Awareness Week. And a shout out to all of our moms just ahead of Mother's Day on Sunday. If you're still looking for a gift, what about Josh Hawley's new book? The Tyranny of Big Tech was finally released this week. The Missouri Senator taking a ribbing for using Big Tech to sell and promote the book. After being shut down for more than a year, one of our Metro's most popular children's attractions finally reopens, and the Nelson debuts its new outdoor cinema. But don't go looking for tickets for this weekend's Night at the Museum movie, or any flick for that matter. Every show sold out through the end of July. Eric Wesson, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? Something completely different. We know there's been a lot of violent issues on 18th and Vine. So this week they started a movement, uh, no gun zone, gun-free zones down here. And that is something that kind of resonates in the back of people's minds after uh, Gary Taylor, who was a very popular guy down here, uh, was killed last weekend. So I would say 18th and Vine's no gun zone. Pete Mundo. Well, I'm curious to see uh, what happens on the Kansas uh, floor of the House. They are debating medical marijuana this week. Obviously, the final days of session might be a chance to see if something bipartisan does happen in Topeka. That, uh, that could be it. I've got to agree. Medical marijuana, it is the issue of the week in Kansas right now, especially here at the State House. I'm Dave Helling. Uh, I'm tempted to ding Josh Hawley, who is selling his book against big tech on Twitter and through Amazon. But uh, the big story for me, Nick, is the Missouri legislature is this close to fully funding the public defender's office, adding more than four dozen new public defenders, getting rid of wait lists. We've written about this, as you know, in the Star for many, many years. It's a good thing the legislature is doing, and that bill could pass as early as this week. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Our thanks to Pete Mundo, 6 to 10 weekdays on KCMO Talk Radio. From Topeka, thanks to Pilar Pedraza from Cake TV and from the pages of your Kansas City Star, Dave Helling, and always on call from the Kansas City Call, Eric Wesson. From all of us here at Kansas City PBS, be well, keep calm, and carry on.